Mike here. Because we're going to worship the Lord Jesus. If we can stand up, please. Everybody up in their feet. My name is Pastor Berto. We're going to get ready to uh, worship the Lord Jesus Christ beforehand. There you go. Everybody's coming. There you go. I see some people coming right on in. Very good. Before we get into a worship, I have um, one of our worship leaders here, Lawrence. He's going to testify. So let's just give him our attention this morning as we get into worship. Amen. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. I think you guys can do a little bit better than that. How are you guys doing today? Awesome? All right, awesome, all right, awesome, great. All right, so uh, about six months ago, um, you know, beginning of the year, uh, God was really putting it on my heart to really be consistent in prayer. Um, and not just uh, like I wasn't praying or whatever, but like um, the different things I was praying about, I was kind of just kind of floating from one topic to the other, like, well, what do I feel like praying today? Um, but God was like, you know, why don't you just really hone in on one specific subject, and why don't you just keep praying for that one thing and, and just, you know, just, you know, kind of get in, in, into that habit of not giving up on prayer, right? And so one of the things I focused on was uh, our family's finances. And I was like, you know what, God, um, you know, we could really use some help in our finances. And uh, God, I just ask you that, you know, you would bless us somehow. I didn't know how, you know, maybe through a job, maybe through, you know, an increase, whatever, right? Um, so I just kept praying and asking God. And again, this was like six months ago, right? And, you know, at times it, it, it looked like it wasn't going to come through. It looked like, you know, it wasn't really going anywhere. But God kept saying, well, you know, just, just keep, keep praying, you know, be consistent, whatever. And uh, finally, uh, just this Friday, um, all of a sudden my mom gets this job um, from an old friend from like way back, right? And she gets this job. We have extra money now and, we're, and God's just blessing us. And, you know, I just want to encourage you guys. Whatever it is you're going through, and again, there's been other people who've testified about this, that God is faithful. Whatever you're going through, don't give up. Don't be like, well, just because I didn't get, you know, my answers, my prayers answered, you know, the next day. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep consistently going after God. Because when you press in, God's going to give you a breakthrough in your life. And uh, there's actually a verse that talks about that. It's a parable in uh, Luke uh, 18 about, it's called the persistent widow, who she was wronged in her life and she wanted justice right and she keeps crying out to this judge like man you know that this thing happened i need justice in my life like come on can, can you do something and the judge he was an unrighteous judge he was a bad judge and uh he did at first he didn't want to give her justice right he was like you know stop talking just leave me alone i have better things to do but she kept persistently going after the judge like please i, I need justice in my life and uh Finally, the judge is like, you know what, fine. You know, you're, It actually says, because the widow bothered him so much with her cry for justice, the judge was like, fine, you know what, I'll just give him, just, just leave me alone. And that was an unrighteous judge, right? How many of you guys know God's not an unrighteous judge? He's a righteous judge, and he wants to give us justice. And uh, in Luke uh, 18, verse 7, it says, Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night, and will he not delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. So whatever it is you need in your life, make sure that you consistently pray and don't give up on that because God is ready to release just an outpouring of his spirit in your life. And you need to keep pressing in. And uh, so that was, that was my testimony. And I'm just thankful for God and what he's been doing. But uh, now we're going to close out in prayer. We're going to start worship soon. Um, but yeah, so just bow your heads, close your eyes. Um, God, we just thank you for this time of worship, Lord, and uh, the service, Lord. And God, that you answer our prayers, Lord God. 
I just pray, God, for an increase of faith, Lord God, that we would not doubt you, Lord God, but that we would continue to press into you, Lord God, into your power, Lord God, and that just to continue to cry out to you for justice in our lives, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that that's your will for us, God. We just ask you that you would bless this service, bless our lives, God, and pour out your spirit, Lord God, to the uttermost. In Jesus' name, amen. worship you Jesus come on let's just raise our hands right now come on this next song talks about I'm not going to hold anything back come on this morning before we start worship I want you to decide in your heart God I'm not going to hold my worship back I'm not going to hold my heart back right now come on just tell him in your own words God we're not going to hold anything back we're going to give you the best praise today you deserve it Lord come on a couple more moments Jesus we love you God we come to praise you We come to give you worship, Jesus. There's no one like you, Jesus. No one like you, Lord. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're so good, Lord. Jesus. Jesus, we worship you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together. Oh, 
that we're free to lift our hands. God, we're free to praise you. We're free to lift our voice, oh God, to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, God.
just lift your voice to him this morning. Come on, just lift up a shout of praise to him. Come on, God, we want you, Lord. We desire you this morning. All we need is in you, God. Broken in your presence. Come on, every chain is broken in your presence. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, 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 come on,
Jesus, we pray, Lord, that you would have your way today, Lord God.
you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. There's always room, Lord God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God, for that word, Lord Jesus. We know that our lost family and even those in this room that feel lost, Lord God, you have room. All they have to do is call on your name. If that was for you, would you should just call on Jesus? Just say, Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. And he will hear from heaven. Do not be ashamed. Call on Jesus. Jesus, Lord, save me. You could call out to Jesus. Would we just call out to Jesus together in this place? Jesus, we love you, Jesus. We worship you, God. You are worthy, Jesus. We know you saved us, God, so we praise you, Lord. We praise you, God. We thank you, God, for your salvation, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We're not ashamed of you, God, because you weren't ashamed of us on that cross, Lord. You laid it all on that cross, Jesus. You are not ashamed to die a wretched death, Lord, to save the sins, to wash away the sins of us, wretched sinners, and you turned us into saints, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. Yes, let's praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for what he's doing in this place. Yes. Hallelujah. Man, God is powerful. Woo. God is powerful. Oh, my gosh. No, oh, my God. That is my God. Oh, if you all would please take a seat in the house of God today. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Woo! God is powerful. I almost don't even want to... I almost don't even want to speak. My gosh. Well, welcome to our church. My name is Vanessa Vitali. I'm a pastor here at this church, and God is moving. God is blessing. And it's such, such a blessing to see your beautiful faces in this place. Amen. Right now, we're going to dismiss the children. So if you're a child, would you go ahead and, and follow Pastor Susie? She's in the back where I'm pointing. All the children, go ahead. Amen. Wow. <laughs> right now, I, I want to preach the gospel to you all. We're going to go to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. His word says something very special to those of you in this place who feel afraid of God, who feel ashamed to come before God. You feel like you've, I don't know, you feel like you're far from God. You feel like you're too stuck in sin. You feel like you're in, just in darkness in your life. This is a word for you. I used to come to church and I felt like everyone was staring at me. I felt like, you know, if I were to raise my hand, people would think, oh, you hypocrite. 
oh, you're such a sinner. Why are you raising your hand? I used to think, you know, if I, if I stand up, you know, people are going to think, oh, no, no, sit down. People are staring at me. They know everything. You know, they, they've talked about me. But that's not the case. Because the people in this house, they know Romans 5.8. His word says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let that sink in. There's people in this place that, you know, it, it, the, the, the background of, of sin is substantial, but yet God died for them and saved their life and made them new. And some of you in this place, who knows, maybe you're saying, my, my past sins, you know, they're not that substantial, but I know I'm far from God. This is still for you. So what do we have to do? What you're asking, what can I do to know this love that God demonstrated for me? How can I, you know, receive this love that changes lives? Well, his word says in Acts 3.19, it's not going to be up here, but you could write it down, and I want you to read this later. It says in Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Everybody say wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Amen. Repenting is turning towards God and deciding to turn away from that past of yours. That past that makes you feel like everyone's looking at you, it's not, nobody's looking at that. All you have to do is repent. You say no to this and you turn to God. So let's pray. Jesus, I just pray, Lord God, for the souls in this room, Lord. I pray, God, if anybody is feeling that weight, they're feeling like, oh, you know, I'm so lost. People are looking at me. Oh, Jesus, I pray you reveal to them that only your eyes are on them, God, and that your eyes are full of love and that you desire them to know you, God, and to know that love, Lord Jesus. Jesus, I just pray that you would remove just remove the hindrances in the lives of the people in this room God any sin any obstacle God any doubt God and I pray that they would call on your name Jesus and that they would go to the prayer workers that will be standing here during the video Lord God that they would go to the prayer workers and say I want to get right with God because Christ died for me. I understand that. I accept that. Now I want to receive that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you all would praise the Lord with me. Amen. And stand to your feet. Hallelujah. If that was you, you feel God knocking at the heart of your door, the door of your heart, then would you Go to Jessica and Salvador. When we put on our fellowship video and as everybody's greeting themselves, just go to them and say, I want Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, how short, tall, skinny, fluffy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Go to Jesus. 
And right now we're going to recite our confession of faith. We recite this because this explains our Christian worldview to all who enter here. This is what we believe. So the moment you walk in this place, you know what we're about. Amen. Amen. So repeat this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind it is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. Go ahead and greet your neighbor. Shake some hands. Meet some friends. Give some hugs. Hallelujah.
Amen, amen. Who is in love with Jesus this morning? Woo! I could feel the love in this room. I love, I love, I I love the love in this room. If you could find your way back to your one of you here this morning. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and we want to welcome you to Metro Praise, where our services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and every Friday night for the youth. Elevate at 7 p.m. If this is your first time here, I want to welcome you, and you should have received this at the door if you have. Um, there's a perforated little card at the bottom. If you could please fill that out if this is your first time. Uh, visiting us this morning. We would love to get in contact with you and uh, plug you into our church. And if you are here for the first time and didn't receive this one at the door, you can simply raise your hand or get one at the drop boxes out in the foyer. Amen. Our vision here at MPI Church is loving God and loving people. And we desire to do that with all of our heart. And our discipleship strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the cross, mentor you with the cross, and send you out with the cross. And the way we want to connect you to the cross is through our weekly life groups. If you have this handout passed out to you, you can simply use this to take notes. And as well on the backside, we have all of our weekly life groups uh, displayed there for you. And you could pick one. We have one uh, all the way down from our children to our single mothers, married couples, teenagers. Find one that fits you and your family and get plugged in because our vision with these life groups is that we will be disciples that share life together. How many of you guys are excited to be a part of a church where there are disciples sharing life together? Make some noise this morning. Amen. And uh, we connecting you to the cross. We want to mentor you to live for Jesus and like Jesus. And we do that through our 101 book. We sell these at the information table. This first one is called Welcome to Your New Life, Seven Steps to Spiritual Growth. And we have leaders ready to get into your life, meet with you however often you you guys can. And we want to teach you how to be a disciple for Christ. And our 201 book, Disciples That Make Disciples, 12 Lessons in Christian Leadership. It's a Sunday school class. We want to graduate you to that so that you can be an elder or deacon in this place for Jesus so that we can win the world for Christ. Amen. And we want to send you out with evangelism. We're very passionate about street witnessing and going out and preaching the gospel. We want to teach you how to win your friends and family to the Lord. So that is our uh, our discipleship strategy. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 across the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen this morning. Amen. God is good. Our Chicago for Jesus outreach for the Puerto Rican festival is next week. It is coming up on Saturday. Yes, I am so excited. You guys are pumped. We are so pumped, excited about what God is going to do on the streets through you, through your witness. You know, a lot of people are uh, wondering, what are we going to do? You're going to tell people about Jesus. Okay, we're going to be on the streets. We're going to be partnered up, and you are going to tell people about Jesus, letting them know that they must be born again to go to heaven. So please join us Saturday, June 15th, right here, 8 a.m. in the morning. We're going to meet all together, and then we're going to go out. 
and win souls for Christ. Amen. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. So if you want to be wise in this place, you got to win some souls. Amen. God is good. Let's prepare to uh, give our tithes and offerings this morning. We believe that the tithe is 10% of your total income and that offering is above the tithe, an amount between you and the Lord that we give to missions and the building fund. And if you could turn with me, please, to the book of Malachi. I'll be reading chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test. Say, put me to the test. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. This is the only time in scripture that God gives us permission to test him. And he allows us to test him in our finances. The Bible says to bring in the full tithe into the storehouse. And we believe that to be 10% of your total income. So we want to teach you as a church, as pastors here, that we have to be faithful to that command from the Lord. And then everything other or above that tithe is an offering amount between you and Jesus that we sacrificially give to the mission field. We sacrificially give to the building fund. And in this part, you know, God offered his people the challenge of testing him. And by this offer, he virtually guaranteed them a direct and abundant return on their investment. How many of you want an abundant return on your investment? Say amen in this place. Some faithful tithers in this house, we thank you for giving unto the Lord. He um, guarantees us a direct and abundant return on our investment. His storehouse of blessings was unlimited, is unlimited for you. So the only restriction on how much you receive will be your ability to contain or use it. So I want to encourage you today, give the Lord the whole tithe. Let's not hold back from God because ultimately all 100% belongs to him. But he asks for 10% so that there may be food in his house so we can win the lost, take care of the orphans and the widows, preach the gospel, take care of, uh, of the ministers in the house. Amen? God is faithful. He will pour out a blessing upon you. So if you have been faithful to your tithe and offering, we thank you. If you haven't, test God in this. He gives you permission to test him in this area of your life. Put him first in your finances and watch what God does. Amen? If you could stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to come forward and give, let's recite this out loud together. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning, and we continue our act of worship unto you by giving our tithes and our offerings that belong to you, God. Everything that you've given unto us, we faithfully put back into your lap. And we know, God, that you will open up windows of, in heaven to pour a blessing upon us. I pray for increases, open doors of employment for those that need it. Bless your people. God, help us to give. And as you give unto us, that we will continually give back to your kingdom. Because, God, we will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And all these things that we need in life, we believe that they will come. In Jesus' name, bless every giver and tither in this place. And I pray that you meet our budget this month at MPI Church to your glory and honor. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come forward as you give.
All right. How many love Jesus? Let me get an amen. Amen. Do me a favor. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 3, Matthew 3, 11 as well. So good to have you here today. I just want to reiterate what we're doing this Saturday at 8 a.m. We are going to Humble Park to share our faith about Jesus. I want to see every single one of you that is here right now, I want to see you Saturday at 8 a.m. ready to do the thug dizzle for the loaf for shizzle. Just look at your neighbor and say, let's do it. I don't care if you've never preached before. I don't care if you've never ate before, walked before, talked before. I don't care if you were born last night. You are going to come out with us, okay? Because I've heard all the excuses. I, I don't know how to witness, and, and I don't know how to do this. I don't care if you don't know how to talk, okay? I, I don't care if you don't know how to walk. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what it is. I just I want you here 8 a.m. Because you can hand a hot dog to somebody, you know what I'm saying? Because we're going to have free food out there. We have the Arroz con candules, the Puerto Rican rice. We're going to be holding up signs that say, if you want prayer, come here. And you can just hold a sign, and then somebody will pray. Because I'm too scared to pray, okay? Just hold the sign. Just hold the sign that says, we'll pray for you. That's all you got to do is just hold the sign. And then if they come to you and go, will you pray for me? You, you can go, no, but they will. Okay, I, I don't care what you do. Be here Saturday at 8 a.m. Let me just help motivate you right here. We have about 15 people coming from Fort Wayne, Indiana, driving three hours, spending the night in a hotel, spending money on gas to be here for this outreach. So I don't want any excuse. I live in Humble Park, but I just can't make it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Walk yourself right over there. We have people driving all the way from Indiana, getting a hotel just to be here. Okay, so I want everybody here. It is about sharing the love of Jesus. We love God and we love people. Look at your neighbor and say, people like you. Okay, so I'm going to stop yelling, but I want you to be here Saturday at what time? 8 a.m., and we're just going to love on people. We're going to teach you everything we're going to do. We're going to have a training time, so we'll tell you about holding the signs. We'll tell you about handing out the food. You will not be surprised. You will be equipped to go out there. And those of you who have ever shared your faith and you know it's beneficial, can I get a whoop whoop right now? Okay, listen to all those people. They've already shared their faith. They know the benefit of it. The Bible says, and we study this in Proverbs, when we refresh others, we are refreshed. It's a biblical principle. So if you are scared, if you are whatever, pray this week and just show up and do it scared. Do it without talking. Do it, do it however you got to do it. Just look at your neighbor and say, just do it. Okay. Now here we go. The notes for this sermon are partial from last week, and I added some things onto this week. We are in a sermon series this whole month called The Spirit-Filled Life. And these are on Facebook and on the website, okay? So I want you to open up your Bible to those two places that I asked you to, John 3, verse 3, and Matthew 3, verse 11. And today's message is, once again, born and baptized in the Spirit. Everybody say, born and baptized in the Spirit. Okay, thank you. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3 is going to talk about being born again. So I'm just waiting for our brother to turn there on the karaoke screen as well, but I want you to have it in your Bible. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. If you are not born again, you cannot see what? 
kingdom of God, okay? So I want you to get this in your heart. These are not Joe's words. This is not a preacher's words. This is the word of the Lord. This is the Bible. This is what we believe, right? When Jesus says it, we believe it, right? Would you just take off the highlight real quick? Because my online Bible's got the red right there. See, when it's in red, who is talking? Okay, for those of you all do know do not know this, this is not Barney talking right here, or not Barney, Elmo. This is not Elmo talking. When it's in red, who is talking? Jesus. So he said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So let's just pause right here and just understand this. This is so important that if you don't do this, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Now, what is the opposite of the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of what? Hell. So if you're not going to see heaven, what will you see? Okay, so if you're not born again, where are you going? According to who? Jesus. We know this to be true. And if you continue on, we don't want to get into it right now, but John 3.16, that famous verse says, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So we can see that they are one, one is opposite of each other. Eternal life, seeing the kingdom of God, is the opposite of perishing, kingdom of hell, suffering for eternity. Now, do you want to go to hell or do you want to go to heaven? Now, this is deep. Some of y'all got to think about this. It went over some of y'all's head, right? So we're just going to slow down. We're going to slow down. Here we go. Do you want to go to heaven or hell? Okay. Which one y'all want to go to? Heaven. When I say heaven, y'all say yes. Say heaven. Heaven. When I say hell, tell your neighbor no. Saying hell. No. Hell. Okay, so you got it. Heaven. Yes. Hell. No. Okay, so if we want to go to heaven, we must be born again. And we're born of the Spirit. The spiritual birth, and we're going to explain that, but I just wanted you to hear it so clearly. That's why we're talking about it today. That's why it's so important, because you cannot go to heaven without this. And I don't want anyone here to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. Some, sometimes people think intense preachers like myself were screaming at you and, 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 and angry with you. No, we love you. We want you to go to heaven. This is the time to go to heaven. Once you die, it's too late. It's heaven or hell at that moment. You can't get born again once you're in heaven. It's too late. Uh, at the judgment, rather. When you face judgment, it's too late. You either do it now or you can't do it up there. Okay, now turn with me to Matthew 3.11. And just as, in, as important as it is to be born of the Spirit, we need to be baptized by the Spirit. So being born again is a spiritual birth, and we will talk about that. And those of you who were la here last week, you've seen that. You've seen the evidence. It's a spiritual birth. Well, we also need to be baptized by the Spirit. I didn't share this last week, so I want to do it this week. The word baptism in the Greek is baptizo. Everybody say baptizo. And it means to be submersed. When we talk about being born of the Spirit, you get submersed in water as an evidence, baptized in water as an evidence you have been saved. Baptism in water represents your born in the Spirit new nature. When you are baptized in the Spirit, you are submersed into the Holy Spirit of God, like how you were submersed into the water. So there is two different kinds of baptisms. When the Bible says that there's one baptism in Ephesians, what it's talking about is there's one baptism unto salvation, and that is the water baptism. 
But there's also being baptized into Christ. This submersion into Christ comes by his spirit. Here it is, plain and simple for everybody. If you're in Matthew 3.11, say, I'm there. Okay, so I don't want you to get baptism in water confused with baptized of the spirit. Okay, so we're born of the spirit and baptized in the spirit. Matthew 3.11, this is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. He says, I baptize you with water for what? Repentance. So when we are baptized in water, we are doing that for repentance sake. It is a sign of our salvation. Is everybody with me? That's what John the Baptist was doing. He says, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. Who do you think he's talking about? Jesus. He's saying he's so much more powerful than I, I can't even carry his chanclas. Right? He's, I mean, come on. You know what I'm saying? You could carry mine if you want. They kind of smell a little bit. But imagine this. This man is saying, I don't even want to carry Jesus' chanclas. Why is that? Because he understood he was God in the flesh. God in the flesh. Everybody say, Jesus is awesome. Thank you. He says, more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you, submerse you with the Holy Spirit and with what? Fire. Those of you who know the Latino word, what is it? Fuego. Look at your neighbor and go, fuego. Okay, so we're talking about the Espíritu Santo and the fuego. The fuego de Dios, the fire of God. Baptism in water, submersion, relates to my repentance. But that is just a physical act. We're not talking about physical things we do in the kingdom right now. We're talking about spiritual things. So the first thing we understand that the spirit does is it gives us birth, being born again. We're born of the spirit. And if we're not born of the spirit, we cannot see what? The kingdom of God. If we're not born of the spirit, born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. Now we learn that we need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with what? fire so what is the baptism of the holy spirit representing it is representing the energy the power of god by the spirit see i can baptize you in water but i can't baptize you in the holy ghost this has to come by the spirit your mom and dad can birth well really your mom but you know your dad plays a part at the beginning your mom can birth you but your parents or somebody in the earth can't give you a new spirit that comes from God. So God gives birth to spirit, makes you new, and God baptizes you in the spirit. Are you all ready? Come on, somebody say, I'm ready. Okay, this is the lesson. I just review right now. Let's go to the notes, please. You are born of the spirit according to John 3, Matthew 3, 11, baptized in the spirit. One is for new life. The other for what? New power. Read it up there. One is for forgiveness of doing Satan's work. The other for destroying there you go. One is for joining the body of Christ. The other for building the what? The church. So today what we're talking about is both of them as experiences inside your life. You should be born again by the Spirit and you should be baptized in the Spirit. The same Spirit that birthed you is the same Spirit that wants to baptize you. Look at your neighbor and say this with me, but look at your neighbor. Look at somebody right now. And say, the same spirit that birthed you wants to baptize you. Look to your other neighbor and I'll say it like you mean it. The same spirit that birthed you wants to baptize you. Now give him a high five. Come on. Now let's get to some questions here about being birthed in the spirit. 
Repetition builds our understanding. So I'm repeating this from last week, so I don't want you to get confused. It's very simple. Let's answer some key questions regarding being born of the Spirit. What is it? It is a spiritual birth. Turn quickly with me to John chapter 3, 6 through 8. Being born of the Spirit is a spiritual birth. That's what it is. What is it to be born of the Spirit? A spiritual birth. Last week I preached it. This week I'm teaching it. Are you guys tracking with me? So you're going to have to participate. Maybe I should have said that at the beginning. And somebody asked a preacher, you know, what's the difference between preaching and teaching? One is yelling and one is telling. Okay? So I'm not yelling at you all today. I'm telling it. So I need you to work with me, okay? Okay? So what is being born again? It is a spiritual rebirth. Now let's look at it, John chapter 3, 6 through 8. Jesus is talking. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Does everybody understand? It's a spiritual birth. Your parents gave you an earthly, physical birth. That's how you got here. Mom and dad got together. Then your mom birthed you nine months later. But to be spiritually reborn, you have to be born by God, the Holy Spirit. That's what it's talking about, a spiritual rebirth. And then he's speaking in this conversation to a Jewish rabbi named Nicodemus who is super duper smart, but he doesn't understand it. So he's clarifying it. So all of us who read John chapter 3, we can be like, man, Jesus, if you can explain it to this guy, you can explain it to me. Because this guy did not understand it. When Jesus first said, you must be born again, he said, how do I go up into my mother's womb to come out a second time? Now, how many know that's not the way we're being born again? Right? To go back up into your mother's womb would be messy, would it not? Just think about that. Now, this is a smart guy who came up with that dumb uh, understanding. So you are at least smarter than that, right? When I say be born again, you're not like calling up your mom today going, Mom, we got to do something. Now, you're not thinking that, right? So you're smarter than this guy. But this is, what he, this is what Jesus says. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. So if you're surprised, I'm telling you this. Maybe you went to a different kind of church that said if you get baptized as a baby, take communion at a certain age, and then, you know, you confess every now and then to a priest, you're going to heaven. This may surprise you today. But you shouldn't be surprised because this is what Jesus has been talking about the whole time. And when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus as an Old Testament scholar should have understood this because this was the promise that the Messiah would bring according to Ezekiel and Jeremiah, the promise of a new heart, a new life, a new inner being that would be able to hear God and know his voice, not just a few prophets, but every child of God would have his spirit, a new heart, and hear his voice. This was prophetically already promised. So you should not be surprised. I'm telling you this. If your other church, if your other religious organization, if whoever's been holding a book telling you something and they haven't told you this, that's on them. This is you now. you got to make a decision. Will I listen to Jesus or will I not? You will not be able to go to heaven and say, God, I didn't do that because my auntie taught me differently. God, I didn't do this because my priest taught me differently. You will stand naked and bare before God, your creator, and you alone will be responsible for your actions. Now, grandma mama, not auntie, no one else. It's you and God. You decide, do you believe him or do you not? If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be what? Born again. And we're born by what? The spirit. 
So he says this, don't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And then here he gives the illustration. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. So when we're born of the Spirit, we don't see it like we see a new baby, but we feel it like we feel the wind. So come on, just wave your hand in the wind right now. Don't you feel that? But do you see that? No, and when he was speaking to ancient people, the example is so amazing. You can go outside and you can see the trees and all this being blown back and forth. And he was saying to them, you don't see that, but you experience that. So when you are born again, it's not like, boom, you get a new looking body coming out, ladies looking like J-Lo, guys coming looking at the rock. You know what I'm saying? You're not coming out looking like that, like, oh, I'm born again, look at me. Because you'd be, you know, others of us, you'd be looking at me going, Joe, you ain't born again. Come on, you need some help man no born again is of the spirit it is a spiritual thing you don't see it but you experience it and then what is experienced secretly privately inwardly then comes out outwardly by your works and your deeds because you've been born again you talk different you act different you do things differently because the fruit of the spirit begins to come out of you you can't do what you used to do because you've been changed on the inside are you all tracking? Come on. You've been changed. You know that you've been changed. You can't keep doing those same things. And so when someone says to me, Pastor, I'm not sure if I've been born again. I'm sure you haven't been born again. Because this is not something that happens by accident. You either know it or you don't. You either were born or you were not born. You're dead or alive. You're hot or you are cold. You're either living for God or you're living for the devil. If you ain't sure, I'm sure you're not born again. Get born again. Get a new life. Let Christ change you. And people say, I can't live for Jesus. I can't do this. I can't do that. That's right, you can't. But Jesus said he would live inside of you. And greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. And you say, well, I've been born like this. I come from this background. I've been born with these attractions, born with these feelings. That's why he said be born again. And anyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. So there is no excuse that any sinner can make because Christ says I'll make you a saint. I got to preaching it a little bit. God is good. It's a spiritual rebirth. Now, how does one get born again? Let's look back at the notes as I try to teach it. How does one become born again? By faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes people want to put good works to, in front of being born again, meaning they think if they do good works, they'll be born again. And this is how you have to realize it. Look at the example of being born the first time. Did you do anything to be born the first time? Did you help your mom and dad get together? No, you didn't, That right? That would even be gross to think about it, but you weren't even created yet. But when they got together, you didn't have anything to do with that. Then when you were in the womb and you were being birthed by your mom, it wasn't like you were like inside going, come on, mom, come on, I, I can see the light, and opening up and coming through. You did nothing to be born in the flesh. No human effort could make you a human being. No human effort. Are you all tracking with that? It, it, it is somewhat deep, but you got to catch this. You did no human effort to be born a human. 
It was all done to you, and it was all done through you. It was someone else's work. It was someone else that did all of that. Born again is the same way. It's not that you stop cussing, stop smoking, stop drinking, and you try to change yourself. No, you are changed by the power of God. The Holy Spirit bursts you. You don't do one thing except surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You can look at it like this. It's so simple. Imagine you are sick and you are dying of AIDS. You don't have the cure. Maybe you caught it when you were traveling somewhere or somebody stuck you with a knife and it was infected. You're dying of AIDS. And someone who's worked their whole life on the cure comes to you with the cure and says, can I inject it into you? Will you allow me to give you the cure? Your simple faith, your simple trust, and allowing the person to give give you that cure is how you receive salvation. You don't then cure yourself. You don't take responsibility for the cure and all the work that's been into it. All you do is make the free will decision. I will allow God to change me. I will allow the sin disease in my life to be cured. Here you go, by the blood of Jesus. I will allow a blood transfusion of the God kind to make me new. So put your faith in God, John 3.16. Let's turn to it and read it together. John 3.16, faith is a gift. You have a choice whether or not you operate on it, just like the cure. You have a choice. Look at John 3.16. Let's read it together. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever does what? believes in him. So do you want to be born again today? If you want to be born again, then believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in him. The Greek word for believe is pistis. Everybody say pistis. And it's not a mystical thing. It's not something like, I don't know if I have it or I don't. No, faith is very simple to understand. It is a trust. It is a ability to trust someone. Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust him to change your life? Do you place your hope, your life in him? If you will do that, that simple act of trust will result in a supernatural response from God. So you simply acting in a natural way, like you trusted the chair you sat on today, you trusted the car you got in, if you will simply act and trust in God, he will do a supernatural act and make you new. So your born-again nature does not come from any good work you could possibly ever do. It is a simple trusting in the Lord. Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ? How many have been born again? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now let's turn back to John chapter 3, verse 3. Why should a person be born again? Who wants to give me that answer? Just shout it out if you know it. So you can see the kingdom of God. Thank you. It's not a trick question. Let's turn to John 3, 3. And make it real plain. Some of you are like, man, I already know this. Be patient with me because I know a lot of people this is new for them. For those of you who already know it, just be patient because I'm telling you, this is good stuff for some people right now. I can see revelation coming to them. Why should we be born again? Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. So the why is because we want to see the kingdom of God. How many want to see the kingdom of God? Now think about this. When your body dies, do you live on? Think about it. When your body dies, do you live on? You do. You are not your body. 
you live on past your body. The Bible talks about when people's bodies are buried, their soul lives on. Now, if your spirit, the inner part of you, has not been made new and your soul been transformed, you will then stand before God in judgment time and he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. And you will say to him, how do you, or you may think to say to him, you won't say anything, you'll, you'll just be sent to hell and he'll cast his judgment on you and you'll be terrified. But you may think to yourself now about that moment, how does God not know me because the Bible says he will say to those who have not been born again depart from me I have never known you now if you read the Bible we understand God knows everything so he knows you he knows me he knows sinners he knows saints he knows everybody so why is it on that day when your body is dead and your soul stands before God if you're not born again he says I never knew you because the word know there is in the Greek a word of intimacy. He is saying, I've never had a relationship with you. I have never known you intimately. Now, how do you get to know God intimately? By being born again, having relationship with his Holy Spirit. And the Bible says those who belong to God hear his voice and know him. So if you do not have a spirit that's been born again, you cannot hear God and know God. So on judgment day, he will say to you, depart from me for I have never knew you I have never known you but those who have been born again stand before God without their body they stand before God and their spirit is made new they their soul has been changed they have the radio station of heaven they have been tuning in to what God has been saying they have been dunked and dipped in the baptism of the spirit and filled with power they're bright shining as the noonday sun Isaiah says and he will say to those well done my good and faithful servant why will he say that to us? Because we who have been born again have done that which our master has asked us to do. And then in Revelation chapter 22, he then gives us a new body. We live upon the earth. He comes and rules and reigns and says, I will be their God and they will be my people and we will walk and be face to face for all of eternity. You will see him and know him just like you can see and know your neighbor. So why should we be born again? So we can see the kingdom of God. Hell is forever without end, just like heaven is forever without end. Ultimately, hell gets thrown into the lake of fire. Ultimately, heaven comes down to earth. Where will you be for eternity? It is dependent upon whether or not you put your faith in Jesus Christ and have been born again. Now, I wish I could ask if anybody has questions, but I, I just don't think I could answer every one of your questions appropriately. But I would say if you have any questions, write them down and then talk to one of our elders or deacons after service or Facebook me or go to FormSpring and ask me anonymously because I want everybody here to understand this. And by the way, our 101 discipleship starts with this. This is the premise of how we make disciples based upon people being born again. Now, let's go to baptized in the spirit. This is still review, then I'm going to get to the goodies. Baptized in the spirit. Let's look at the notes. What is it? It is an endowment of power. It is God giving you power. So what does the baptism of the spirit say with me? An endowment of spiritual power. Look with me quickly to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus talking once again. 
and he explains why they need to wait to be baptized in the Spirit. Not baptized in water, but baptized by his Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you will receive what? Power when the what? The Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Thank you in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what is it? It is an endowment, a giving of spiritual power. So once again, those of you who are saying, I can't do anything to change myself, you are right. Jesus changes you by his spirit. And the same ones that say, I can't do anything for God, I can't preach, I can't share my faith, I'm so scared, I don't want to pray in public. He is saying to you, I will give you power. So the same spirit that birthed you is the same spirit that baptizes you. It is an endowment of power to do what God has said. And let me make a side note right here. In the last 100 years, as the Holy Spirit has been rejuvenated into the culture of the church, right now the spirit-filled churches, those who believe what I'm teaching you, grow eight times faster than the rate of birth. There's more than 500 million right now around the world that believe in this. And we have those from the Philippines those here from China, those from other parts of the world, and they will tell you in their nation, in their country, the churches that are growing and spreading the most rapidly are the spirit-filled churches. There's one church I know of just alone in India that's spirit-filled, that is planting 10,000 churches in 10 years. 10,000 churches in 10 years. Heidi Baker with Iris Ministries in Mozambique has already planted 5,000 churches. I just talked to one of my dear friends, uh, John Christie. He's on Facebook. He's in India. Chris went and met with him. When we last talked with him, he had 200 churches. I just talked with him this week. He testifies now he has 800 churches 800 churches spirit filled God is giving them power to do great things the church in China they estimate at a low end has 50 million Christians right now it is the fastest growing Christian movement on the planet we have people from there that have worked in those churches in this church and they will tell you they are spirit filled baptized with the power of God and some estimates estimate that there's up to 100 million born again baptized in the spirit believers in the nation of China alone just in the nation of China. Do you want to know the largest Pentecostal nation? It's not America. It's Brazil. Brazil, one out of every two Christians, including Catholics. So if you ask anybody in Brazil how many of you are Christians, the whole room, let's say, you know, 100 people raise their hands. Then you would ask them, how many of you speak in other tongues and have the power to be a witness? 50 of them would raise their hands. One out of two Christians in the nation of Brazil are spirit-filled. The power of the gospel has transformed nations. Reinhard Bonnke went to Nigeria about 30 years ago. It was being overcome by Muslims. It was being taken over. He then began to pray and seek God. He saw a vision of a blood-washed Nigeria. He preached open-air crusades for uh, 10 years for less than a 500 people, less than a 1,000. But God then placed a mighty baptism of the Spirit upon him. He has preached, listen to me, to the most people one-on-one -on -one, than any person on our planet ever has, including Billy Graham. He preached to two million people at one time in Lagos, Nigeria, and over one million Nigerians accepted Jesus into their life. And I have, go ahead and just put it up there, brother. Go to uh, 
go to my Facebook page. No, do this. Go to uh, YouTube. Ellie, help him find it, please, because I want to play. I have the video up there because a lot of people are iffy when it comes to speaking in tongues. Sometimes people have issues with it. I got the video of Reinhard Bonnke doing the service and him starting off saying hallelujah and speaking in tongues with the whole entire uh, group of Christians out there. It will blow your mind. And I put it there for people to understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes with power. So, Ellie, just listen to me here. Go to our YouTube page and find that bonky video. And this is why I say it's time to get bonkified. Get bonkified. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's an endowment of spiritual power. How does one get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Turn with me to Acts 2, verse 38, as they're finding this video. How do we receive the endowment of power? How many remember last week's notes can tell me how? How do we do it? By what? By faith. Somebody knows it over here. Let's shout it out. Say, by faith. How, do we ba how are we baptized in the Spirit? How are we born of the Spirit? How do we live? How do we do everything we do? By faith. Everything in the kingdom of God is by faith. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm going to wait for you to get there. Some of you are not there. Acts 2, 38. Paul, uh, excuse me, Peter is preaching. He puts it all together as one. Peter replied, repent, because they asked him. They said, what must we do, Peter, to be saved? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. What is that, repent and be baptized? That word baptized is Next to repentance, is that a water baptism or a spiritual baptism he's referring to right there? It's a water baptism. Why is it a water baptism? Because it says what? Repentance. See, look at it. Don't get confused. Put the scripture up there first, please, before we get to the bonkified video. Acts 2.38. Peter replied, repent and be what? Baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for what? Okay, so the baptism he's talking about right there is a baptism of what? Water, because it has to do with what? Repentance, okay? So that is clearly what he says. But hold on, it don't stop there. He says, and you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Woo, come on somebody. What is that gift of the Holy Spirit? that baptism that Jesus talked about in Acts 1.8. It is not a baptism of water, but is a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. It is after you've gotten saved and water baptized, you say to the Holy Spirit, baptize me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Put up that video for me, please, and make sure it's nice and loud. How many of y'all ready just to get bonkified? I just want this so bad for you right now. This is Reinhard Bonnke, two million people. And now close your eyes, please. Come on, Jesus. And now lift your hands, please. And now shout your hallelujah. How many hear the tongues of fire? Ask a Nigerian if he believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't care what a Baptist says. I'm a Bapticostal.
That's a crusade. Largest this planet has ever known. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. Come on, that's about Jesus. Well, what about Piper? What about Driscoll? I want Jesus. I want this. I don't want to be in some cemetery trying to convince you whether or not this is true. I want to get out and do the thing. I want to get out and do it. The world is changing under the Pentecostal power of God. It is a fact. And for all my Baptist friends, some of them believe in it, some of them don't. Piper Driscoll are on the border with it. Listen to me. I'm not on the border of the river of the Holy Ghost. I'm jumping on in head over heels for Jesus. Give me some of that fire. I want that fire. I want the fire of the Holy Ghost. Mas, mas, mas. For the nations in Indonesia, in Africa, in the Philippines, in India, in Brazil, all over the world, the baptism of fire is coming. And it's for you today. Receive it. Get out of your head and let Jesus touch your heart. Us Americans, we are so stuck on ourselves. We are trying to always understand it to the letter, to the T. When God is saying, get out of your head, get out of your understanding, and get baptized with the power of God. You don't raise the dead with a seminary book. You don't heal the sick with a philosophy class. You don't cast out demons with a debate. You do it by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this is no offense to anybody here but hear my heart today we have a lot of spirit filled churches that have messed over people and now these believers are hurt and they're throwing out the bath the baby with the bath water listen to me just because you went to a church that was full of granola Christians fruit nuts and flakes doesn't mean the fire ain't real baby because I've seen demons cast out here and in India and I'll put up another video to show you that I'm telling you this the Bible is real and I don't care who messes it up? I'm going to do it right in Jesus' name. You better make that decision. I will serve the Lord like this. They can think I'm crazy all day long. I'm crazy for Jesus. I've decided this is real. And once you got the experience, baby, you'll never be at the mercy of a person with an argument. Those of you who have done things in life and others who haven't done them have tried to tell you what's wrong with what you do. Man, you haven't done what I've done. You don't know what it's like. It's like trying to tell Buzz Armstrong, uh, Neil, Neil Armstrong and Buzz, uh, what was his last, Aldrin, what it's like to walk on the moon. You haven't been on the moon. I got no time for this. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, ain't nobody got time for this. I ain't got no time for this. Oh, help me, Jesus. We can't talk about them without getting excited, though, right? Look at number three. Go back to your notes. Why should a person be baptized in the Spirit? Because it's obvious. Because without it, we can't operate in the miraculous power of God. Look to Acts chapter 2, 17 through 18. Acts chapter 2, 17 through 18. This is all the introduction. I'm going to get to the new stuff, baby. Hold on. I'm getting to the new stuff today. Everything that's deep is the new stuff. i got to get to it, but I just want to review this. Look at it. What it says, this is Peter talking, a prophecy of Joel. This wasn't something that was made up in the New Testament. This is what God promised he did. In the time of Moses, God said, Moses, you, you got too much going on here. We need to put the spirit that I gave you, uh, on you, I need to give it to other tribal leaders, other tribes of uh, the uh, leaders of Israel. So God says to Moses, gather up all these leaders and I'll put my spirit on them. 
And he does it. And the Spirit falls on these leaders. But there were some people that were out getting coffee or something. They had missed the meeting. And as they were walking back, they saw these other leaders who were not at the meeting getting boom shakalaka in the power of God prophesying. And they said to Moses, Moses, these men didn't show up, but yet they still got the spirit. Should we tell them to stop prophesying? This is what Moses said. He said, I would to God that all of his people were prophets. He was saying, I would to God that everybody could hear God's voice like I do to move in mighty ways. Peter prophesied exactly what Paul, uh, Joel had prophesied. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on how many people? All people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. If your son or daughter don't want it, baby, I'll take what you don't want and put it on Bethany. Are you listening? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, even the lowliest people of the church. This ain't just pastors. Even the lowliest people of the church, both men and women, just in case you're wondering what women going to do. You're going to get lacquered in the Holy Ghost. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy I'm all people I'm a man amen my wife's a woman I got a boy and two girls all of them getting shalanked in the glory of God I don't am just making up words they're all going to get roasted and toasted in the glory of God any young men ever seen a vision here Man, when I first got saved, I, I saw this. I could keep you here all day with the visions that God showed me. Some of the things that I'm still believing God for, I had as visions as a young man when I first got saved. I could blow your mind with those things right now, but I'm not here to impress you with my visions. I'm telling you, go get you some. Go get you some, young men and women. Stop becoming some prophetic junkie looking for everybody else's experience. Go get your own experience with God. Heaven's doors are wide open. Those that are baptized in the Spirit have a membership. You can go to Glory Town anytime you want. You don't need me to lead you by the hands. You don't need a cardinal or a bishop. Just get on your knees, call out to the name of Jesus, and he'll take you to places you've never been before. From glory to glory to glory. Glory! Blow your mind. Blow your mind. I don't want some weak gospel. I want the gospel of Jesus Christ in the early church. Let's review. Let's review. Okay? Put up the notes for me, please. Here it is. Being born of the Spirit, what is it? It's a spiritual rebirth. How does one become born again? By faith in Jesus Christ. What should a, why should a person be born again? Because without it, no one can see the kingdom of God. Does everybody understand being born of the Spirit? Now, being baptized of the Spirit, what is it? It's an endowment of spiritual power. How does one get baptized in the Holy Spirit? By faith in Jesus. Same way you're saved is the same way you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Why should a person be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because without it, you cannot operate in the miraculous power of God. Now, quickly, some people ask, what is the order? How does this happen? How did God determine it to be? Well, number one, you can be born again and baptized in the Spirit the same moment, the same day, as I was at my mother's kitchen table, November 5th, 1995. Has anybody else here experienced that? You got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in other tongues the same day, the same time. I'm just the only one? Okay, I'll be the only one. That's all right. But it happened with me, and it happened in the Bible in Acts 10, 44, and Acts 19. When they got saved, born of the Spirit, they got baptized in the spirit you can also be born again at one time 
be baptized in water and then at a later time be baptized in the spirit has anybody had that experience you were born again and then at a later time you were baptized in the spirit that is the example of the disciples and that's also the example of Philip when he went or excuse me uh, yeah Philip when he went to uh, Ephesus they were saved water baptized and then he called down the disciples to pray and lay their hands on them so it doesn't really matter just go and get born of the spirit and get baptized in the spirit amen now let me explain this to you as we go now more in depth if you're ready for some teaching somebody say teach me I want you to think about these five questions as I give you the answers I want to get them out quickly and then go over them a little bit more in depth is the baptism of the Holy Spirit still for today there are some people who acknowledge that it was a legitimate thing for the early church but it's not necessarily for today I want to answer that question number two sometimes people say how do I know I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they listen to other preachers or teachers and they say that there's only one baptism they think that this means when they were water baptized they were also regenerated and brought into Christ and so they confuse baptism of the Holy Spirit with baptismal regeneration you may not have heard of that but I'll explain to you the difference number two what if I don't think speaking in tongues is my gift now, this is always the question I get from those who don't speak in tongues. They want to disqualify themselves to say, maybe that's not for me. Well, let us all who are speaking in tongues teach you that it is for you. Let's not have you who's never done it try to tell us how to do it. Are you all listening? So we who have done it will teach you that it is for everybody. And then number four, what is the purpose of speaking in tongues? Oftentimes, when people hear speaking in tongues, they don't quite understand it. And then number five, how can I know for sure that God will baptize me in the Holy Spirit? I'm going to answer those five questions. But before I do, I want to go to this chart to share with you how you know that tongues in the baptism of the Holy Spirit go together. When we say we are baptized in the Spirit, we're saying we're endued with power. But how do we know that that has happened? Or what is the pattern of what happens in people's lives when they're baptized in the Spirit? Here is the four times in the book of Acts where the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens. Every time a manifestation and evidence is listed in the book of Acts when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it says they spoke in tongues. The only time it doesn't say they spoke in tongues is when in Acts chapter 8 they don't give any evidences, yet it's implied. So this is where I want to start and go back to those questions. So turn with me quickly to Acts chapter 2, and let's go through these to see the pattern of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Is there a pattern when I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit? Because I've been around some Mormons, and they'll just place their hands on somebody and say, receive the Holy Spirit, and then they'll go about their way. I've met people of other Christian denominations. They say, I've been baptized of the Spirit. When did that happen? Well, that's when I got saved, and I was baptized in water. I was brought into Christ. Let's see if that experience, that others who don't speak in tongues, is the experience, the pattern we see in the Bible. Are you all ready to put on your investigation a hat to investigate with me? Let's look at what the Bible says. I didn't write your Bible and hand it to you this morning, did I? So it's already been in there, has it not? So anything I show you has already been in there, correct? Let's see, Acts 2, 1 through 4. 
When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. There seemed to be tongues of fire that came to rest on each one of them. All of them were, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Other tongues, the word tongue in Greek is glossolalia. It means languages. I don't have time to get into the details of this. Next week, as we do the Boricua Fest, I'm going to be preaching on rivers of living water because we may have some visitors from the outreach, and I want to just get them all hyped up for Jesus and get filled with, with the glory of the Lord. But the last two weeks of June, I'm going to go verse by verse through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and explain this to you in detail. But I just want you to see a pattern. Somebody say a pattern. They got filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke in what? Okay. And then it says they saw wind and fire, right? So look at the chart. Now go back to the chart quickly. This is where I need my man DJ. Oh, my DJ to help me out today. Mm -mm. Okay. Okay. I got my DJ. My, my, my DJ. There we go. Okay. Boom. Acts 2, 1 through 4. Okay. What happens? Check. Tongues. Did they prophesy? doesn't say they did here. We can think that Peter did, but it doesn't say he did. Praise God. Doesn't say they did, but we know they did probably. But what do we know for sure? There was wind and fire. So all that we can go on is descriptions. I'm not going to assume anything unless they say it. Just for the pattern's sake. Are you with me? Assumptions are good, but not at this point. Says tongues. Says wind and fire. Okay. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, 44. Quickly. Acts chapter 10, 44. This is now what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit to Cornelius's house. This is a Gentile Roman soldier who hung out with Jews. He hadn't yet converted yet. He was known as a God-fearer. That means he respected the God of Israel, but hadn't yet gone as far to be circumcised, you know. But he's a God-fearer. He gets a vision to bring Peter to his house. Peter comes and preaches. Here it goes, verse 44. Hold on. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on who? Came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, non-Jews, for they heard them what? Speaking in tongues and doing what? Praising God. So let's go back to the chart. Pattern. No one's manipulating you here. Read your Bible. Study for yourself. One of my favorite theologians, Stanley Horton, Horton, rather, Stanley Horton, graduate, Ph.D. from Harvard, wrote a tremendous book about the Holy Spirit. So if you want more depth, I can give you that. I have over 20 books on the Holy Spirit, by the way. I love the Holy Spirit. Look at the pattern. Here in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' house, there's tongues, but what else are they doing? Praising God. Right? Okay. Let's go next to Acts chapter 19, verse 6. This is where we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit on John's disciples, where I ended you guys last week, where it talks about these men were following John. They had heard John's message as an Old Testament prophet, repented of their sins, and were baptized. When they meet Paul, Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit? They said, man, we didn't even know there was such a one. And he said, well, then what baptism did you get? Well, we got John's baptism. So he then rebaptized them in water in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by the authority of Jesus. And then he placed, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and what? Okay, go back to the chart. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. So here we go to the pattern. Tongues, prophecy. 
Out of the three places that the Bible says there is manifestations, evidences, proof that the Holy Spirit has come, what is the one singular thing that happens out of every circumstance? What is it? Tongues. Did I make that up? There it is. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. They spoke in tongues and praise God. They spoke in tongues, wind and fire. But every single time they spoke in tongues. Now, some people like to point to Acts chapter 8 say, oh, but there's one time, and let's turn to Acts 8, 13, where it says the Holy Spirit comes, but there's no tongues. Let me just explain this to you quickly. Acts chapter 8 obviously is before Acts 10 and 19, so it doesn't change the pattern. It just is a different account from the author. Acts is an account of what the disciples are doing. By the doctor, follower of Paul, Luke, is writing down what he sees the apostles do. For whatever reason, he doesn't give evidences of any kind in 8, but he does in 10 and 19. So even if the baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't have all of these signs, we know it always does have signs, even if he doesn't list it in 8, because he then continues to list it in 10 and 19. Are you guys tracking with me? Now, let's just see why he probably did not list the evidences, the manifestations like he did before, Acts 8, 13 through 19. Now, there was a man who got saved when everybody else got saved and got water baptized. And then the disciples come down and they pray for the Holy Spirit to come. Simon himself believed and was baptized. This is his name. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by great signs and miracles he saw. So he's seen people do miracles in Jesus' name, right? Now watch, when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria, and I said uh, Ephesus before, but it was Samaria, had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. They had only been born again and water baptized. They hadn't been baptized in the Spirit. Everybody tracking with me? I wish I could talk slower because I think some of you think when I'm talking fast, I'm running through this too fast. But I just, I got to get to this. Oh, I love this. When Simon saw, everybody say saw. The spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands. He offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that on everyone whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. The one place where it doesn't mention tongues, praising God, fire, or anything says that it was so powerful that a magician named Simon wanted to have money to be able to give it like how the apostles were giving it. Doesn't that then assume that the same kind of things that were happening in Acts chapter 2 continued in Acts chapter 10 and 19 were happening at this time? Ask yourself this question. Chris Angel, magician, anybody ever heard of him? David Blaine, uh, Copperfield, right? Anybody heard of these magicians? If you went into a Baptist church or a non-spirit-filled church and they said, receive ye the Holy Spirit, would you want to walk up to the priest and go, Father, can I please buy that? What you just did, can I, have the, can I be able to do that? Can I do that? Because if you were a musician, don't you think you could imitate this right here? Right? But imagine 
You see a man pray, people fall out, tongues start coming out, prophesying what you just saw happen here with Lili giving a prophetic word. You watch people almost in a hypnotic, ecstatic, mystical state like people do hypnotism, but it's of the spirit. You're watching this chaos go on, but yet it is powerful. Wouldn't you then say as a musician, man, I want to be able to touch somebody and see them talk in other tongues. I want to touch somebody and see them prophesy. I want to do what y'all are doing. Just ask yourself the question. Don't take my word for it. Would you want to buy what the demonstration of the Holy Spirit is in churches that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Would you want to buy that demonstration? Amen. Why? Because it can be faked. Imagine touching somebody and them exuding the languages of God doing something that would be unheard of. Acts chapter 2 says when it happened, they all thought they were drunk. Imagine you seeing this going, man, I want to join the party. What's going on? Anybody here ever laughed in the Holy Spirit? Anybody here ever fall down, go boom in the Holy Spirit? Anybody here ever prophesy more adequate, more accurately than Madam Cleo in the Holy Spirit? Anybody here ever cast out demons in the Holy Spirit? You would want to buy that if you were a magician. So the one time, go back to the chart, please. The one time the evidences are not listed out, they're inferred on purpose to show why the man wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. Now, those of you may say, I'm not convinced by that. Let me just tell you this. If you're not convinced by the pattern in the book of Acts, then my question back to you is because I've bore the burden to prove to you why I do what I do. So that's my pattern, what they did. You say, I don't buy into that. Then what's your pattern? Prove to me a better pattern. Show me a better example of what the Holy Spirit does in people's lives. Give me the pattern. Well, I think it's the fruit of the Spirit. No, the fruit of the Spirit is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say when they laid hands on them, they just started loving, having joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. There is no other pattern. You, th th this is why when it comes to this discussion, there's just one of two options that most people take. They either say that was then and this is now. They call it cessationism. The gifts have ceased or they believe what we believe. That's it. A lot of times people are trying to find a middle position, but if you push them, they go one to the other. Which position do you believe? Do you believe that believers today are to have spontaneous new languages and to demonstrate the power of God coming upon their life, enabling them to do the great things of God? Do you believe that or do you not? Because the pattern of the New Testament is explicitly clear. It's explicit. That means when you read it, you see it explicitly. It's not implicit, implied. It's explicit. It says it in black and white. They spoke in tongues, wind and fire came. They spoke in tongues, they praised God. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. They had some shikaboomba going on that a magician wanted to buy. I'll take that pattern. Thank you very much. I'll take that pattern. I will stand by that. Like I said, I will stand by that pattern, and I believe I have every right to do so according to the Scripture. Now let me answer these questions for you clearly. Is the baptism of the Holy Spirit for today? Yes, it is. Acts 2, 38-39 says this. This promise is for you and for your children's children. If there's ever a time when children are not having children, the promise will go away. Is there a time when people grow, children grow up and have children? Are we still so children's children, right? So until children grow up and have children, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is still here. Okay? Look it up, Acts 2, 38 through 39. How do I know I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That's the question. That's a good question. How do I know that I've received it? What does God expect me to do? How do I know this has happened to me? You will get the utterance of other languages. 
Now, how does God give you other languages? The same way he speaks to your heart. See, when you're born again, you hear the voice of God. He'll say, I love you. He'll convict you of sin. He'll, he'll tell you all kinds of things. Well, the Bible says he'll give you a language you have not learned, and you will speak it out by faith. You, you, you know, he won't take your tongue and wag it, wag it all around, but as you hear his voice, you speak it out. And it may sound like nonsense because it did in the time of the Bible, or it may be a language that someone else knows but you've never learned. Now, once again, sometimes people like to say, I only believe tongues are learned languages. Well, then I ask them, have you ever had hands laid on you and you speak in other languages that you never learned but the language of the earth that people around you have understood? They go, no, I've never done that, but that's just what I think I, it's supposed to be. And I tell them, I've done that. People have prayed, and I've spoken tongues in a dialect of Indian language where Brother Boom Boom Badonsky was in the room. He testified to it to our SGM students, and they understood the people there perfectly, the Indian that I was speaking. I've done it. So let me explain to you what happened. When God gives me those languages, sometimes it's for people in the room, other times it's for him. Both times I don't understand the language. God is using it either as a form of evangelism or a form of edification and worship. So I don't want to hear from someone who has not done it how I should be doing it. I have done it. Let me tell you how you can do it. This is the pattern. Amen? So how do I know? Well, I speak in other tongues. What if I don't think speaking in other tongues is my gift? And this is where the, uh, the, the fourth and fifth week of this month, I'm going to go in depth. Because I'm going to go through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, verse by verse. But let me just explain this to you. Number one, don't be uninformed. It says in the King James, don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. If you don't understand it, then don't make a, a didactive like, like thus says the Lord statement, like I don't have that gift. Well, do you understand what you're saying you don't have? No, I just know I don't have it. I won't be crazy like these people. Okay, well then sh hush your mouth. Hushy, you're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hello? Like if you talk to somebody and you said, you want a Benjamin Franklin? And they didn't know. A Benjamin Franklin? I don't want no Benjamin Franklin. That's a $100 bill, dummy. Don't you want $100? Right? I don't want to speak in tongues. Do you want the power of God and whoop the devil? Or do you want to get pimp slapped by Beelzebub? Oh, I want to... I want to pimp slap him. Well, then get boom shakalaka. You don't know what you're talking about. Some people have made a decision, but many have not made an informed decision. So number one, don't be uninformed. Know what you're talking about. Every one of our pastoral leaders here is a pastor, not because they preach and sing well and wear nice clothes. It's because they went to an accredited Bible college and have an undergrad degree, and some are still going to seminary. I have a master's of religious arts degree, and I'm going to get a Ph.D. We're not ignoramuses here, okay? We understand the Bible here. We understand Greek. I've got the, the, the Nestle Allen 28th edition of the Greek Bible right here. We've got it all right here. Everybody that comes against this teaching needs to stand up to the Word of God, period. I'm about this. This is what I believe in. And I just, I get so passionate. But really, I don't want you to think I'm angry because today, back there, when I just heard the words coming forth, oh, I just love the Holy Spirit. Man, I will defend it. I will boom shock a lock it. But I just love Jesus and when he comes in power. Amen. But I'm just passionate. Number one, don't be uninformed. Number two, gifts, of the, uh, gifts are given after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the pattern involves prophecy one time. It doesn't say every time they prophesy. So what we begin to understand is words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, and these things come after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the initiator to the gifts. 
Number three, all gifts are available to those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. So once you've been speaking in other tongues, doing the miraculous thing of God, the prayer language, he will give you all of the miracle gifts, all of the sign gifts, as he so wills. So meaning when we are in service today, not everybody had a tongue like Ish in a prophecy, like Alili. God gives those gifts at his time in a collective service. But all those who are born again, baptized in the Spirit, have the ability to be used. You may just be scared, but God's trying to say, i got a word for you. I've got a prophecy to give you. Paul wished that all people spoke in tongues. Will you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14, 5? Paul said that when I preach and teach, I speak in a known language. I'd rather speak five, lang- uh, five words in a known language than 10,000 in a tongue because how many know if you don't understand what I'm saying, you can't be edified. So you have to understand me. But Paul talked about in his personal life, in his prayer life, he spoke in tongues more than anybody. Look at what it says, 1 Corinthians 14, 5. said, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. And that's great, and we'll talk about prophecy. But this is the initiation. Now watch, he who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets that the church is edified. So he's talking about when we're giving edification to the church. And then he says, now, brothers, if I come to you and speak to you in tongues, what good would it be unless I give you a revelation? So you see, it's clear that when I'm talking and giving to you instruction, I have to have an interpretation. Otherwise, it's nonsense. But that doesn't mean he doesn't wish for me to speak in tongues. And then now go down to 1439. In 1439, he makes it even clearer. It's so obvious, right? This is where I don't understand. Because I have my friends that say we don't allow speaking in tongues in our church. Look at what it says. It says in verse 39, Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. What is wrong with you, Gus? How could you tell us not to speak in tongues? It's like if you miss the whole point of the argument, and at the end you're wondering what we should do, and you're like, uh... I don't know if I understand, Paul. Should I not have them speak in tongues? He's like, no, whatever you do, don't have them be forbidden to speak in tongues. Whatever you do, like at the end of the argument, don't forbid this. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. How many saw order here today? When we were praying and edifying unto God, we sang our own words, we prophesied. I mean, we spoke in tongues. We did all this between us and God. Then when it came to giving words to people, the man who gave a tongue interpreted a tongue so you could understand why he was addressing you because God gave him that interpretation. The prophecy that came was for everybody. It was, a, it was an order. When we speak in tongues privately to God or just between us and him, that's not out of order because that's me and him. He understands it. I'm being personally edified. Woo-wee! What is the purpose of speaking in tongues? Number four, let's go to the notes and get ready to close out, band. Would you come? Oh, I just want to speak in tongues right now. Ba, 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 ba. It's not my tongue, by the way. Just thought that would be funny. Thought that would be funny to do that right there. Are you mocking the Holy Spirit? No, because that wasn't the Holy Spirit. I'm not mocking. I'm mocking myself. I mean, silly. Look at your neighbor and say, relax. Okay. God loves us. Why is it we think we laugh at movies, but we can't laugh in God's presence? You don't think God has a sense of humor? Yeah, hit the ball. Like we get all excited about a wooden bat hitting a ball, but we can't go, yeah, for Jesus. You'll laugh at Will Ferrell. Oh, that's so funny. But you can't laugh at the God of the universe cracking a joke. I would think his jokes would be funny. He'll make you laugh all the time. Listen to what he says. He's talking. 
How many of you have heard God crack a joke, make you laugh, make you giggle? You know, all I know how to do is cry in the presence of the Lord. Well, stop that. Stop crying all the time. It's okay to smile. Oh, brother, it's only, it's only real when I cry. I cry. Well, that's great. You can cry, but I mean, imagine if all I did around my wife was just cry all the time. Just love you so much. I just love you. It's okay, you know. But like to some people, that's all they know how to do with God. Is just, I just love you. That's okay. That's a good expression. But you can say, I love you, Jesus. Jesus, you're my best friend. He can make you smile. He can tell you what he thinks about you. We don't have to just cry in his presence. The Bible says in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Oh, if you could just, if all of us could get that today. In his presence is the fullness of joy. Oh, what is the purpose of speaking in other tongues? To have power to be a witness, Acts 1.8. To glorify God, Acts 2.11. To be assigned to unbelievers, 1 Corinthians 14.22. To build up and edify yourself, 1 Corinthians 14.4. To intercede for the lost, Romans 8.26. To pray and sing to God, 1 Corinthians 14.5. And for spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6.18. In all manner and all kinds of prayer, take on the devil. Number five, how can I know for sure? that God will baptize me with his spirit. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 11 as we all stand up and just stand with the Bible in your hand if you could please. Hallelujah. How many know that Jesus loves you today? Oh, he loves us. How do I know that God will do this for me? You know, God, will you do this for me? I mean, was this, was this something you just did back then or was this something you just did in Joe's life? How do I know you will do this for me? Altar workers, would you come, please? Look at this scripture. Jesus is talking. Which of you fathers... If your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead. Okay, so Father's Day is coming up tomorrow, uh, next week rather. How many dads, listen dads, I got a dad right in my vision right now. Come on dad. How many men here today would hear your child ask for a fish and you would give them a venomous snake? My daughters get so scared about stuff and because we live out in the country kind of now in the suburbs. There's like wolves and stuff around there and all that. And they get a little scared and little bugs and all this. And I say, listen, Daddy, you got guns in the house. I will kill. And I explain to them, the blood will leave out of that coyote's body. I will eat the coyote. Like how you're eating that fruit loop right now. Like how you eat that. I will eat that coyote. You are okay when Poppy's here. Y'all with me on that? Come on, somebody. That's what God is saying. It's like, man, if you ask any father for a fish, you're a child. They're not going to give you a snake instead. Or if you ask for an egg, give you a scorpion. Right? No one would do that. If you then, though you are evil, 
Like, okay, thanks, Jesus. You just called me evil. He's like, yeah, you're so evil, but you know how to give food to your kids. I mean, he's talking to people who haven't even been born again yet. But listen, he says, if you then are evil, know how to give good gifts. Everybody say gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You don't have to be afraid of this church giving you some spirit from Diablo, the devil. This is in the name of Christ. We're not a cult, but we are a culture of the Holy Spirit. If you come up here in the name of Christ, no other name, come up here in the name of Christ, and you say, what Jesus you did for others, would you do for me? He now promises you, despite even their motives, my motives, that he will protect you. Even if we were wrong now, he would protect you because he is your father. He won't give you something bad. So what I would say today is just trust Him. The same Spirit that birthed you wants to baptize you. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Can we just close our eyes right now and just raise our hands to heaven? If you're not born again, just repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus. Those who are born again, can you thank him for salvation right now? Come on, can you can you ask him to put your life on the Holy Ghost lift like a mechanic? Put your car on the car lift and have him just examine your life. Those of you who are Christians already, just have him examine you. Repent of any sin in your life. Repent of any wrong things. Those of you who are not born again, just say, Jesus, scrap the whole car. Give me a new life. Make me new, Jesus. Make me new, Jesus. Make me new, Lord. Do in me what you said you would do in Nicodemus. I want to be born again. Those of you who are born again, come on, let the Lord lift you on the Holy Ghost life lift and just examine you. Just, Lord, check me. See if there's any wicked way in me. I want to live for you 100%. I want a Holy Ghost tune-up. Come on, we're all going to get right with God. Either get born again or get sanctified, cleansed. All of us right now. Come on, just worship Him and ask Him to show you who you are. And if you need to get saved, get saved. If you need to get cleansed, get cleansed. Oh, yes, Lord, we believe you're our Savior, you're our Deliverer, you cleanse us, you wash us, you make us clean. Oh, God, you throw our sin as far as the east is from the west, you put it in the sea of forgetfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A few more moments. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, cleanse me of impatience. Cleanse me of perversion. Oh, Lord, I want to be wholly sanctified. I want to be like you, blameless, white as wool. 
Though my sins be like a scarlet, make me white as wool today, Jesus. As white as snow today, Jesus. I want to step out of my past into my future. All things have passed away. Everything becomes new in you today. Now, would you just look up at me, please? We're just going overtime. It's a Holy Ghost party, and you know a Holy Ghost party don't? Amen. If you have prayed those prayers and meant it from your heart, say this with me. I am born again, washed by His blood. Come on, just think about that. Woo, I'm born again, washed in His blood. Let it sink in. Now look up at me again. It's time to get baptized. It's time. Come on, it's time to just let him dip you in the rivers of living water. Let the glory of God flow out of you. And this is all we're going to do. We're just going to raise our hands now to heaven and just say, Holy Spirit, baptize me with your fire. Right now, those who have already been baptized with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, let them out right now. Come on, you and God. Those of you who have not spoken in other tongues with the evidence yet of being filled, I'm going to pray right now. And we're just going to say be filled as we do. Be filled and hear the sounds of heaven go through you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and fire. Be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire fuego in el nombre Jesucristo ahora right now fire mas mas now let the melodies of heaven the sounds of glory come through you Rivers of living water, melodies of heaven. Jesus, Jesus, come on, 30 more seconds, you and God, you're only embarrassed if you're caring about what other people think, I'm not thinking about other people, it's just me and God right now, come on, just you and God, oh, Holy Spirit, baptize us, oh, won't you captivate us? Won't you inebriate us with your spirit? Just like on the day of Pentecost, like in Cornelius' house. Hallelujah with John's disciples. I feel Jesus. I feel the Holy Spirit. 
sons and daughters. Come on, now just speak over your family, on my children, over this generation. For as many as the Lord our God calls, be refreshed, be filled, be filled. Woo! Bethany, be filled. Lucas, be filled. Hannah, be filled. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, you are, you are so awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to get ready to close out. Would you just look at me before we go? I have not even laid a hand on you. We have not manipulated you. You just, if you received what everybody else was, you just participated in what heaven was doing. Do you think in heaven they talk English? Like, hey, Jesus, what's going on? Do you think they go, okay, possible? There's languages of angels. Come on, somebody. Man, come on. If J.R.R. Tolkien could develop a language for the elves, don't you think God has languages we have not learned for Gabriel and Michael to talk? Don't you think there's mysteries of this heavenly realm that we have not even yet seen or heard of? I mean, there's mysteries in God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit just opens the door and says, Welcome to heaven on earth. Now listen, if you want to stay with hell on earth, you can. Be all wimpy and powerless. Be defeated. Run away from the devil. Watch horror movies and get scared. Call up psychics and whatever. Or you can have God bring kingdom of heaven to you right now. He told us to pray that way. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Are there people sick in heaven? No. So can we see people healed on earth like they are in heaven? And do you think there's some pretty smart people up in heaven? Can we be smart and be spiritual at the same time? Just because I'm spiritual, does that mean I'm like I'm weird? Like I look at like building a bridge and I talk to the architect and he goes, you need to do this, this, and this because of the laws of physics. And I go, no, brother. The spirit is telling me to build a bridge like this. Hello? The spiritual laws don't contradict the natural laws. They just invade the natural laws. Let me just help you understand this. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he didn't do it by going against the laws of nature. He just paused the laws of nature and supernaturally, he went above natural laws into a spiritual law and raised him from the dead. Lazarus still died. Are you guys understanding me? Sometimes we think the spirit and the natural laws, they contradict each other. No, God made natural laws. Math works because of God. Doctors heal because of God. Teachers teach. Are you guys understanding bridges? But spiritual things are on a different plane. And when God invades the natural world with the heavenly world, it's not a contradiction to the natural world. It's just saying one is greater than the other. 
the principles of God and healing are greater than the principles of natural sickness. The principles of prophecy and knowing your future, when, when, you know, when we do that in church, that's not saying that they traveled in a time machine, that they found out, you know, I, you know Einstein's law of relativity or whatever. No, what, what we're saying is God supernaturally got that information and gave it to us. We're bypassing the natural world, not contradicting it. So I wanted to slow down and say that because you're not a part of something that is not relative to your everyday life. When you go do what you do this week, do it with the Holy Spirit better because he's with you. Ask him for guidance to be a better whatever you're doing right now, a better teacher, a better worker and all of that. But when you recognize that there are spiritual things coming against you, attacks of the enemy, then go into the spiritual power and authority that God gave you. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So I'm not talking about showing up at your job and then like, you know, your customer is like, I'll have two hamburgers and fries. And you're like, doesn't that bless you? I just spoke in tongues. And they're like, you're nuts. You're fired. No, because the Holy Spirit will help you go get her the best hamburger and French fries you could possibly get. But let's say you see something in her and you notice that she's sad and, she, and you just ask her, is everything okay today? And all of a sudden she breaks down crying. I've had this happen supermarkets, restaurants. I could keep you here all day because God just sets up divine appointments and he just sets aside natural order to go into supernatural and they'll just start weeping and you can just say, God just told me, your dad just beat you up at home, didn't he? You just came here to get a hamburger at McDonald's and you're going to sit there all by yourself and contemplate suicide. But God wants me to tell you that he loves you and he's with you and he's going to sit down there with you and I'm going to ask if I can get on break and do a Bible study with you because you're not alone. Anybody ever hear about Jesus? Isn't that kind of the stuff he did? When Jesus sat down with the woman at the well, John chapter 4, he didn't say to the woman, hey, you're getting water with a bucket. Watch this. Water, come forward. And it started coming up, and he did some crazy miracle like that. No, he said, I'm thirsty. Can you get me some water? And she started getting him some water, and then he just had an impression by the father, and he said, why don't you go get your husband? Because I'm not supposed to talk to you without your husband. So go ahead and get him. And she goes, no, I, I don't have a husband. He goes, yeah, you're right. You've had five and none of them have been your husband. You've been sleeping around, girl. Ooh, you, you snapped on me. He said, that ain't it. What you're getting here naturally, I'm going to give you supernaturally living water that will never run dry. You'll never have to go to a well to get it. I'll be right here on the inside of you. Then she goes, well, I thought I had to go to church to do that. He said, God is a spirit, and he seeks for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. Are you a worshiper? God is where you are, not in Jerusalem. He's where you are. Boom! Disciples come back with some enchiladas. They're like, what's going on? He's like, I ain't doing that work. I'm doing the work of the Lord because there is a harvest. And they start looking around thinking he's talking about somebody on a tractor harvesting wheat. But all of a sudden, they see about 20 people coming back with the woman because the woman just went and got everybody that she knew and said, there's a prophet in town. And he said, no, you don't understand. My work, my food is to do the things of God. The harvest I'm talking about are people. Do you understand? He never contradicted the natural order. He just would go above it at times and say, this is what it's really about. It's not just about water. It's about living water. It's just not about eating food. It's about eating the word of God and doing his will. It's not just about a harvest of going out there and making money. It's about harvesting souls. 
if I told you this Saturday, because all of you are going to get prayed for now to go out and do great things, and Saturday's the proof that you got it, right? To come out to the Boricua Fest. If I told you this Saturday, I'm going to tell you how to harvest a million dollars. Wouldn't you come? If I, if, if I was a man of truth, and you knew I was a billionaire like Bill Gates, and I told you, I'm going to tell you, guaranteed, how to get you a million dollars, you show up here. Not some scam, but you knew I was telling you the truth, and I had the power to do it. You would show up here. This is what I'm telling you. Don't store up treasures on this earth. Store up treasures in heaven. The greatest treasure you can store up in heaven is that of a lost soul. You've been prayed for to have the Holy Spirit. You've got power from God. You can come and join us this Saturday. Do you get the principles? You've been working. You're going to work all week for money. Come work Saturday for souls. Amen. Woo! This is what happens when we talk about the Holy Ghost. You're just like, let's just clap so we'll get done. Just clap. We'll stop preaching if we clap. This is how we're going to end. We're going to keep getting down with the Holy Ghost. If you got to go, you got to go. These prayer workers are here to pray again what I just simply prayed for salvation and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or if you have any need in your life, sickness, something that's going through with your family, we're here to pray. Amen? Amen. Hold somebody's hand. Come on. I'm going to show that it just don't take the preacher to pray, Chris. Would you grab that microphone and pray for these brothers and sisters this week? Dismiss us in prayer. Come on. Amen, Lord Jesus. Would you turn on this mic, please? Yeah, up. Thank you. Woo. Oh, Jesus, we thank you right now, God, yes. for your power, God. We believe in faith and who yes. you are, God, and what you say, God, and your word is truth, God. It is a light to our souls right now. Lord, we receive these words, God. We receive yes. you right now, God. I pray right now, God, that this does not leave our hearts, that it does not leave our minds, and that we go out, God, and do your work by the Jesus. power of the Holy Spirit. We receive yes. that spirit, and we keep that in our hearts right now in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. Can you bless them one more time? Slap your neighbor a high five and say, let's do it. God bless you as you're dismissed. We're going to keep praying. Come on up if you need prayer for anything.